Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Pretty Bubbles podcast. And I'm back. Um, I know you all missed that, um, but I am back, and I'm joined by Jamie. the most organised person in the uh, podcast. <laughs> the only one who can get shit done. Exactly. I'm here, and I'm making things happen. So, you guys, all right? Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, not bad. Feels like it's been a while since we've been on a we, pod, but... this podcast. Could have started very differently, I think, after the other day. <laughs> Well, it definitely could have done. Um, so, yeah, speaking of which, let's jump straight in. Actually, I'll do the socials first. Otherwise, Daryl will have a garden, even though he's not here. Uh, like us on Facebook, Pretty Bubbles Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Bubbles underscore podcast. And also on Instagram at Pretty underscore Bubbles underscore podcast. Um, of course, like and subscribe on YouTube and hit that notification bell so you're the first to know when any of our new pods go live. And you can also find us on all podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and so on. Anyway, now we can get on to the good stuff. All the not so good good stuff. Um, So Saturday lunchtime, we took a trip to Kidderminster. And when we saw the team news, we thought that's that's a fairly strong starting lineup. I thought, I I don't know about you, but I expected a little bit more rotation than that. so I'll quickly go through the lineup. It was Ariola, Johnson, Zuma, Diop, Fredericks. Alex Crowell got a start. Uh, we'll talk about him. Um, <laughs> Mark Noble in the middle. And then Yarmolenko, Ben Rahman, Vlasic behind Bowen through the middle. Um, and it was an absolute shambles for 90 minutes uh, until it Declan Rice rescued us. the whole time. <laughs> it yeah, was one man who rescued us. Um, Declan Rice saved the day with a 91st minute equaliser to take it to extra time. And then it took us to the 121st minute uh, in extra time with Jared Bowen getting the winner. Um, I want to talk about some specific players a little bit more later. But James, what did you make of the game as a whole? Dare I ask? Just dreadful, wasn't it? Absolutely <laughs> dreadful. It. It's just they weren't really doing the, the simple stuff. And like fair play to Kidderminster. They proper brought it to us. And, like, they – but then none of us were naive enough. To, we knew this was going to happen as well. Like, we just had a, had a feeling. That's why all of our scorelines weren't ridiculous. I know we all predicted, like, a 2-1 or a 3-1 win. But there weren't no 5 nils or 6 nils, something ridiculous like that. Because we just know what these teams are like when we play them. I think and oh no, I think the other reason that being at Kidderminster is a lot more different to being at West Ham. Which yeah, I think. I think if we'd have had the home fixture, it probably would have been quite more of a comfortable game mm. because I think a bigger pitch, big a big occasion. You know, like I feel like our ground just seems like so big compared to that tiny little ground. But what an atmosphere, though! What a place mm. to go. Do you know one thing I loved about it? Is at one point there, I think it might have been on a corner. I think it might have been a corner. The bat, the guy that ran the burger van was out there leaning over the barrier watching the game. I was like, that's a proper football stadium. Like it couldn't be any better than that. Like for that local community, what a um what an opportunity it was. And I'm so gutted for them. Hope gladly they're not at our expense, but I'm so gutted for them because you know they deserve the win, thoroughly deserve the win. Um, some of the performances were just like embarrassing for 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 guys that are expected to be on you know sixty grand plus a week. It's just not good enough. Like we'll double that for one player in that team. Who? Yes. Is... <laughs> we're gonna obviously. I know we're gonna get to this person soon, 
But generally, even the weaker players in our team should find games like this. Like these sort of games should be the ones where they sort of, you know, show that they are still good enough to be as part of the squad. And it just made me really, really worried. And Can I just note that, though, James? Um, I know how we said before the game it was a lose-lose game for West Ham. I think it also kind of is relevant for the players because if they play well, you're very much going, well, you played well against Kidderminster Harriers. Like, no offence, mate. You should be playing well against them. But if they don't, it's like, oh, how fucking shit are you? Like, you're struggling. It's been Kidderminster Harriers. So I guess that's the point I'll make. But, yeah, yeah. it was embarrassing. But it's also down to performance as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, you're right, Jay. Um it's the way you do things, isn't it? Like, if sometimes you like, we never. That, 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 I think it's always these teams that we struggle against. I know Kidderminster just are so much far further down the down the leagues than us. It's more of the fact that teams that sit back like that, we just never seem to be able to break through them. And no matter what level they are, even like the highest level that we play against in the Premier League that do this, that sit back. We just struggle to break through and no one has a go. And when they do have a go, it's ridiculously stupid shots that go like so far over the bar. I, I'm just, let's just thank God. Thank Christ for four nails and rice, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they definitely pulled us out of a, a real sticky and deep mire. Um, Jamie, what did Obviously, you, you said about the, the lose lose situation, but talk to me a bit more about the game in general. I think I look at it and go, we were bad all game. I think the thing that most frustrated me is how we didn't test their goalkeeper. Like, credit to them, they defended really well and they played really well. But how are we only making their keeper pull off about two, three saves? That's where it's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, we were poor. And I think that just sums us up. There was no cutting edge. There was no end products in that team. A lot of people just didn't look good enough. The whole time, I never thought we were going to score. I'll be honest. When when Kidderminster went 1-0 up, five minutes later, I just went, I don't think we get into this. I backed Kidderminster at 7-1. to one. So, I was devastated so like, when we scored. No, to be honest, <laughs> I'll throw away that 80 quid. But Euphoria went. I just didn't. I don't get how how we didn't challenge them more. They they were good, they were strong, but I don't remember really at any point apart from maybe the Ben Rama chance just before the 90th minute going, that's a clear-cut chance and Rice's goal. But it was shocking. It was really, really shocking all game. And there's a few names, obviously, we'll mention. But I don't get how Issa Diop will wear a West Ham shirt again at this rate. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect segue into the first man I wanted to talk about. So we'll, we'll jump right in. Um, yeah, it's a deal. I was sort of turning on him a little bit. Like I was I was unconvinced prior to the start of this season. Then he had a couple of games in the Europa League, and I thought, you know what, he's doing all right here. Um, and he seemed to develop a fairly decent relationship with Kurt Zuma. But the last, well, since Zuma got injured, really, um, and he's really come into the team in that time. I, and then culminating with this game on Saturday, he's just he just isn't going to be good enough at, at all, is he? I just don't get how he's gone this bad. Because the first year he had at us, he looked brilliant. And he looked like he 
has the potential to play a, a better standard. But he's just gone to shit. Like, he really has just gone to shit. And I can't remember the last time he had a good game for us. All right, I'm just looking. Norwich, he was set solid, but it was Norwich. Like, yeah, he's not a good footballer anymore. His passing's lacklustre, and he used to be a solid passer. He's just really, really weak. Yeah, he was being he was being bullied by a seventh tier team, um, which is outrageous when you really think about it. Uh, I just I just can't understand it. It is and it isn't. Like in the day, physics and physicality are are not are evident no matter what league you're in. Like you could get someone like just say for example someone we know that's massive that's tall like um, Ricky Bonin for example. It's about six foot four five and he's a big unit. Now he's going to bully most people even if he's not a, a high level footballer because of his size and and I, I think so that uh, as an attribute you can't really say but where the where the the, the advanced player comes into it is more up here and thinking yeah. and as a center half at a high level you know they've almost got like that read of the game better um they should be able to command their area better so yeah I'm, I'm not disagreeing but i think that's one of the attributes you know that that can go across all the broads all the boards without it not really um being unique just to a high level no i completely agree you've got to, if <clears throat> like there's going to be occasions no matter what where you're going to be outdone physically by an opponent regardless of the standard of football you're playing um like you say like you look at someone like Akin Fenwa who's been a lower league journeyman most of his career a Premier League defender is still going to struggle against him physically but you're a Premier League defender against someone who's if he was that good he wouldn't be in the lower leagues um and you should be able to outplay them use your brain a bit more and the thing that got me with Zuma is he was just second to every ball with like yeah no, it wasn't just being outdone physically. He was being outdone for pace. He just wasn't using his brain. He was diving in when he didn't need to. And he gave away so many fouls, um, including, I believe, the one that led to their goal. Yeah. So, do you think a bad pass back by Boeing too, but yeah. Diop just looked so half a They just switched off, weren't they? They just weren't. Yeah. The, you think Kidderminster had the occasion. They had the crowd, like a 12th man. It was just like you could tell that, they were trying to just do a job out there, but it, they just weren't trying to do that job just good enough, really. And like we got away with it. We're very lucky that we've just got that ounce of, you know, well, we've got a world-class player in our team. Let's put it blunt. Because um, without doing what... Well, to be fair, I don't want to take the the pass away from four now. So it was great vision. Um, but that little injection of quality just was what made the difference. And it's... It's a shame that the game weren't put to bed earlier, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, another player I want to talk about, and I mentioned him briefly, is Alex Crowell. And I think it's pretty safe to say at this point, it is, I am, and I'm not the only one that's going to be saying this, I'm sure that we will not be making that loan move permanent uh, in the summer. Yeah, I think that's... It's bad when you say you'd rather stick with Noble, wouldn't it? Really? I don't <laughs> I thought Noble was just as bad as Crow on Saturday. And that's He's not even five years old. Still, <laughs> if you're on that pitch, you're expected to do a job. Age is but a number. It's Kidderminster. 
like Noble weren't good enough, Crow weren't good enough. I have to admit, I thought Crow was the lesser of two evils, but he still wasn't as good, like as bad. But it was, it's a real lack of depth. Let's be honest, yeah. outside of attacking midfield, do we have depth in any position at this club? And fullback, maybe. Yeah, we have. We, I mean, we have we have players, but we don't have quality, quality. players. In the, that's that's the big difference. So that's that's where we're really struggling at the moment. Um, yeah, I think I don't think I see any chance in Kroll staying, and that's obviously going to be a big area, of, like a target area for improvement in the <sighs> summer. Do you know what? That's what worries me because you've got um, there's I think there's about another six players that are out of contract. Fredericks is out of contract, I think. There's, um, I want to say Cresswell might be out of contract. No. I know they'll probably end up signing, but, you know, in theory, on paper, there's potentially six players that don't have to sign their contract. And could... um, I've got it, James. Ariola, obviously. Uh, Crow because of Yarmolenko. Yeah. Um, well, he's gone. Yeah. Ben Johnson. Wait, wait, Ben Johnson's out of contract, but isn't there like an agreement in place or am I wrong? Uh, I think we can trigger an extra year, can't we, at the moment? Yeah. Ogbonna, but he's getting a year extension. But you can't expect Ogbonna to play much. Yeah. Uh, Fredericks, I think, will go because I think they'll extend Johnson. Fabianski, Noble, and David Martins. Eight, nine nine but then, players. But then That's a lot nine. of them aren't, aren't key players. So, Noble's leaving, don't we? So, Ariola probably will... If he's been given, if he if he's to carry on, don't join, you sign a goalkeeper instead. I think that's the yeah. Thing. Mm. Right. right. So then you've got all them other players that are going to need to to sign contracts extensions, and you said some of them are going to go. Obviously, Yarmolenko, we want, thank God. But what a, he's he's stealing a living, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, it's he's outrageous. Absolute joke. That dive is shocking. Yeah, like, that summed it up. That just the, the dive don't annoy me as much as the celebration. Yeah, I guess he didn't look. The celebration like annoys me more. The fact that he he literally just couldn't care less, mm. and yeah. and it's just it annoys me that I I reckon that Moyes has got a contractual agreement with him that he has to play by contract an X amount of minutes per month or per week or whatever. Yeah, Malenko's got dirty images of boys with a goat or something. <laughs> and he just has to like do it. Because it's the only explanation. You can't tell me there is no one else that's more favourable. I'd rather play Fredericks on the wing than him. I wouldn't say it's favourable. Like, it's just more he, how he's getting game time over maybe a youngster. Yeah. It's really like in that situation... You can just whack Oko Flex up top and put Bowen out wide or something. Anyone is better than Yarmolenko at this point. Or Sonny Perkins. It's like... Yeah, like anyone. If Perkins puts in the level performance of Yarmolenko, no one's going to give a fuck because he's a youngster. And no, exactly. Exactly. And that is precisely the reason that it annoys me that these kids don't get more opportunity. Like Especially in games like that, I know we needed to win, but Yarmolenko isn't the answer. Hmm. Like you know that they, injection of youth, they want to, they're going to one want to prove themselves. Two, they're going to have the energy levels to last like 120 minutes, and you never know. Like given that opportunity, they might take it. Like, uh, do, do you want to know who we've got um, out of contract at the end of next season? We've got six players probably. out of contract at the end of next season. 
Soufal, Diop and Lanzini, but they've all got options, club options, so we can just take that up straight away. So Kufau and Lanzini are two years, Diop's a year. Right. Out of contract is Creswell, Dawson and Randolph, but I'd imagine they'll yeah. sign extension. Creswell probably will. Yeah, I still can't believe that Craig Dawson's only 31. I'm sure he's been at least 31 for the last six years. Yeah, <laughs> crazy, isn't it? <laughs> he just feels like he's been around forever. Well, he was a holding midfielder at one point, I swear, as well. Like, he must have spent like 10 years at West Brom, it felt like. Do you know what really frustrates me about Yarmolenko? The fact that he's shit. He's actually a skillful guy. Like he's actually got, he's he's actually quite talented with his feet. He's got a good finish on him, but we literally don't see any of it. Like yep. you'll get like a burst of about a minute where you might get the odd sort of bit of skill, a flick where he brings a right wing back into play or right back into play, or you know he'll cut in and do a decent cross, which someone else probably should have got on the end of. But for 90% of what we play him for, nothing. It's mm. almost like a wasted space. You might as well have 10 men on the pitch. Yeah, yesterday, I'd rather have played with 10 men on the pitch. I to be don't, fair, I don't actually just, disagree with that. Hey, he put the cross in for the second goal. We needed do you him mean, to win the second. Do you mean the shot? Yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> definitely a shot. <laughs> yeah, that was... But, I mean, you look back at the Euros in, like, last summer, <laughs> he, he was very good for Ukraine. His record for Ukraine's fantastic. But it just it just doesn't translate to he's a good footballer. But I feel like that I felt like that with um it's a bit of an extreme analogy, but I felt like that with Sancho. Like at Dortmund, he was just like an unpl- he was unplayable. And then for England, I've never really rated him. And then at Man United, he's been exactly the same as how I see him, personally see him for England. But I feel like Yarmolenko does the same sort of thing. He's like unstoppable for Ukraine for it, you know, in these little groups and stuff. And then when he puts on the West Ham shirt, it's like as if he can't be asked. I think he doesn't. <laughs> he's yeah, just he's obviously on too much. On too much. And he's just, I don't know. I think we just need to get rid of some dead wood now. And it worries me though, because we couldn't sign one player in the window just gone. And we've now got to potentially look for six players. I think I think we don't need many starting calibre players. Maybe uh, I'm trying to really go through this. Starting, we need a starting striker. I'd argue a centre back because Ogbonna's not going to be back for a while, and when he is, he's going to be in his late thirties. So I'd argue a centre back. Um, yeah, so two or three positions we need improving in the starting eleven, but. It's the lack of depth. Like, we need to go and get those squad players in who we know that, say, Creswell's out for a month or Sufaz, like, all these sort of players that if Zuma's out, we can go, yeah, but I trust this guy to come in and step in and do well. Let's let's have a look at this. Think about it mathematically, right? So you've got, so you need, you've got a striker that's going to push for Antonio, right? So you're, you're looking at minimum 30 mil, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, probably minimum. probably minimum 30 million and probably a bit more if you have to sort of poach it from a club that's in England, right? So you go abroad, you may get find a bargain. Then you've got the centre-back option. Now, you're probably looking realistically. Moyes don't like anyone under the age of 25, if he can help it. 
So you're looking at else senior, more senior players like Tarkovsky, players like that. Um, realistically, that we're going to get. Yeah, the only exactly. ones that we might got that with a bit more quality are the ones that are probably out of favour. To be fair, Tarkovsky's not a bad signing because he's out of contract it, next season. Yeah, it'd be a yeah. good signing, and I would take him. And I think him, him as a, a Diop and Dawson sort of trio, sort of fighting for that spot next to Zuma, I'm fine with. Especially if Ogbonna doesn't make it back to full fitness. Um, and then so that's sixty million probably already, unless Burnley go down. No, he's out of contract. Tarkovsky's out of contract in the oh, summer. Yeah, completely out of contract. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, well, that might be do us a favour then, but. If you're if you're getting rid of Crowell though, Crowell was originally going to be almost like a, a young sort of energy supposed to be played, and you're going to need someone with a bit more quality than him. So you're going to kind of have to look. That's another thirty though, isn't it? For a decent one, we we need if we're going to push on at least to compete again at at the uh, Europa League level. Let's be a bit more realistic. Europa League level, we're going to need players that. That when they're out of form, another player is going to step up and drop in. So like Ben Rama dropped because he's not been performing lately. So Fournal steps up and comes back in again. Now Ben Rama's back, he's going to have to prove himself and we're going to get the best out of these players. Now, if you look at the bench and we haven't got these sort of players, I feel like we're not really going forwards. So you're going to have to spend money and we're going to have to probably fork out Combined, at least probably 70, 80 million on on these squad players, and mm, I just think we're, not, well, I think we're not going to do it. Uh, we've I, shown in the past we're not. The owners aren't completely incapable of dipping their hand into their pocket when they need to be. But the problem we've always had in the past is we've signed players that either haven't suited the league, haven't put the effort in, or just haven't worked for one reason or another. And like Haller and Anderson being the most recent two examples, both were record fees for us as a club but the other thing with them as well is we sell we sell players we'd never sell a player yeah. for a profit so we're always in the red yeah like Haller went for cheap anderson went for nothing higher yeah like the amount of we recouped for these players is is nothing yeah. so that's why we sort of look at these players and well the amount of money that we're going to have to lay out and we're not getting any return on investment whether it's on the pitch or financially when we have to offload them again. So it's a dangerous Who do you thing. think was the last player we sold for a profit that wasn't a youth academy? Because then you would have said Grady Dean Garner, but he was a youth product. Uh, I couldn't even begin to think who it could be. Mark Arnautovic, but that was for a £2 million profit. Uh, yeah, of course. I believe Eddie Milson Fernandez was a one million pound profit. So a lot of people you're signing are for oh fuck all. Like, yeah, you're yeah. not making huge like don't get me wrong, when you sell someone like we've got players in our squad now that we can sell for profit. Like Suchek would go for more than 20 mil. Rice would go for way more, but he's an academy. Like, yeah. like we've got these players Four in the Yeah, we've got players like that now. Which I guess is a positive that we've moved away from signing has-beens whose value deteriorates to being paid oh, yeah. whose market value goes up. But it's never a good sign that we've had to come from behind in terms of people in the red. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 a strange. It's almost like uncharted territory for us 
as a fan base because we've never really been consistently in these positions not not to this sort of caliber of performance as well like we've had you know we've had we've had the odd year where um where we finished high up in the league but generally it's because the others have been underperforming mm. now this year and last year i feel like we thoroughly deserve to be placed where we have based on our performance and structure and it seems like the recruitment bar this window for the last two windows has been very good and i just i just think that it's just you've got to look at the uh, like the youth system. I think is is always you're always going to get, especially West Ham fans. We're always going to be rooting for our own players, always. So there's ne- I don't think there's ever really a gamble in in playing one of our youth players, particularly in in times when we can. Like I I wouldn't be against one of our youth players playing at the weekend if we're going to have a lot of majority at least getting a little bit of game time, not necessarily starting. But you know, if if the professionals get the job, like the main eleven get the job done by the by the last sort of twenty minutes, then why not inject a bit of youth, give them yeah. a bit of experience, and get get them, you know, get the feel of it? Because as much as you know, they've all got to start somewhere. If Rio Ferdinand had got given his opportunity when he was eighteen, even though he made a few, you know, muck ups, kicking the ball off the off the in the ground and all sorts. It was, you know, they've got to get rid of that nervous energy. Like them, the think of how good them boys did in that Europa night. Yeah, but I will say, if they weren't good enough, they'd be getting game time. I guess people would also argue. But like, it's also, yeah, but that is still subjective though, because that just might be Moyes' opinion on whether they're good enough. Like the Chelsea, can't be any worse Rice, Chelsea didn't think Rice was good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, that's of, fine. It's just um, you're right, and there probably is a reason why Moyes isn't picking them. Um, and um, our assistant coaches, obviously, they're they're very they're good. They, in the day, was it Ir- 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 not Irvine? He's Irvine. 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 Yeah. yeah. And, um, who's the other one that works for England? Oh, I know his name, but I can't. Uh, Paul Nevin, is it? Nevin, yeah. Nevin. Like they're obviously experienced guys, so i I'm always I'd always back them to you know, but. It does frustrate me when you see Yarmolenko coming on instead of a youth player. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, well, I think that's the one thing that I always question with him. That's it. I think the rest of his decision making I can live with, but I think that one's the one that's bugging me the most at the moment. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, anyway, we'll take a little break now uh, and then we'll come back and we will talk about. Tuesday night's fixture at home against Watford. I wish you all could have seen James mouthing along to that as it was fine. Um, So, yeah, back to Premier League action um, for the first time uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, since the Man United game. And we take on Watford's side, who are under new management. So it's their second game under Roy Hodgson. And they finally kept a clean sheet in their last game, uh, which was their first clean sheet in the Premier League for their last... I think this is their sixth manager since they last kept a clean sheet in the Premier League. So Roy's come in, and in his first game, he's turned things around. Uh, that is a shocking them- stat. It's a great stat. I love it. 
Uh, we, of course, we played them uh, just after Christmas at Vicarage Road and won 4-1 uh, after going 1-0 down. Hold on. Hold on. Um, Mad Stats! Sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah, so obviously we'll be hoping for a repeat. Perf- well, I say repeat performance. A clean sheet would be nice. Uh, but Jamie, how do you see this one going? Similar or a little bit trickier now? I, f- I really don't trust us at the moment. Really don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to win. I really don't. They've had a game. I don't. I didn't watch the Burnley game at the weekend. I'd imagine it was an absolute shit house, terrible game of football. I was going to say, I'd imagine not many neutrals were watching Watford v Burnley. I think the XG had it at about at max a goal between the two teams. <laughs> like that is not a game you want to remember. Half a goal. I just think it's going to be a terrible, grindy. I would never put this game on TV tomorrow if I was a neutral or I weren't going because I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think they're going to try and make it tough for us. I think they're going to try and sit deep and really try and absorb pressure because they realise how much pressure West Ham are under at the moment. And I do think the crowd could get on edge if we don't go ahead early. Manuel Dennis is back, I believe, from suspension, which is a massive bonus for him. I don't think this will be easy. I really don't. I I know they've been poor recently, but I, I think we draw. I don't think we win this. I've just got a sneaky feeling with the way we're playing at the moment. Mig, how many times we... Uh, what's our record? Uh, uh, head-to-head record against Watford. Mm. Um, I will Hell double check that. Best. But in the meantime, um, I will just say the little bit of news we've had out of the club since Saturday is that Zuma should be fit and back in for the game. Uh, Masuaku and Lanzini have both picked up knocks. Uh, it's oh, Masuaku's yeah. knee again and Lanzini, I believe it was it, a groin niggle. Uh, Achilles. Um, oh, Achilles, sorry, yeah. And uh, Antonio is back from international duty, so he should also be available as well. Mm. Um, our head-to-head against uh, Watford is we've played uh, 80 games, uh, one forty-six, drawn thirteen, lost twenty-one. So it is a very good record in our favour. Indeed, um, we have won the last four matches in the Premier League: four-one, three-one, three-one, and four-one. Four. Law of averages says we're true a bad result. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's a team we like playing. Um, obviously, since Moyes has come in, he's won every game against them. So. Watch this space, I guess. James, what, what's your take on it? Um, Hodgson is going to play very just boring, isn't he? I think. Um, yeah. I think they're going to be very drilled. Um, so I, I can't see it being a similar sort of result. I, I would go for us to still win because I'm just going to be confident because last time I predicted us to draw, we ended up winning quite comfortably. So I'm going to be quite confident in the fact that we're going to win. I think we might win 2-0. Um, but I didn't say my score. Sorry. You didn't, actually. Have a yeah. think, Jay. Um, yeah, I think we'll go for 2-0. But I don't think it's going to be... You know, I think the crowd might... I think we might get a bit frustrated. And then they'll come out second half and blitz them. That's what I think will happen. But um, I'll go for... Uh, 2-0 win with 
I reckon Bowen's going to score first goal again. I'm going to go 1-1 and Josh King to get the first goal. There you go. Um, I've, I have gone for a 1-0 win and Craig Dawson oh, to get the against goal. Against his old team. I would, love, his that. Old team. I would <laughs> love that. That's what I'm here for. Uh, yeah, so that's... That's what we'll have to get Egghead's... Uh... We'll get Egghead's prediction as well, yeah. Um, so, with, before we round off, how do we see us lining up? Uh, obviously, there'll be a fair few changes from the team on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Um, but, obviously, we'll assume Fabianski comes back in. Uh, Cresswell, Zuma, Dawson. Yeah. And Soufal, we're assuming, will be back yeah. to that sort of... The first choice back I think yeah. Ben Rama will be off. And he'll go for uh, four nails. I reckon he'll go for four nails because after the performance the other day. But four um, nails, uh, four nails, Bowen and who else? And uh, Vlasic, maybe. Oh, I, I say I think he'll go Ben Rama, but that's the only dispute. Do I think he could yeah, do. I think it'll be Ben Rama. Ben Rama, did Vlasic get, any, get game time the other day? Yeah. He yeah, started. He started. He he got started. Yeah. I just think he's got more maybe, trust yeah, in no, Ben no, Rama. I'll change my mind. Yeah, I'll change my mind. I'll go for what you said, Ben Rama. And I'll give him his. Actually, I'll mention him. I felt like everything that we did do okay, okay at the very best was through Ben Rama. Yeah. He was one of the better or less shit players on Saturday. I will yeah, say. Yeah, he was trying to create stuff. He was trying to cross mm. the ball in and stuff. Yeah. And it was just I think it just weren't happening. No, they had like ten defenders at one point. Mm. Um, we need to. I think if we're going to do it, if we allow them to sit. It'll be a boring ass game, and one nil or one all is probably looking more likely. Um, if we move the ball quickly and we get in behind them and deliver, because the thing is, teams like Watford are probably going to soak up crosses <coughs> left, right, and centre. We're going to have to play a bit more intelligent than that, and that's what frustrates me. Like these guys all like laugh and take the mick a little bit because, like on the chat, just joking, like sort of saying I'm so impatient. It's because I I just think the way sometimes that we play when I'm thinking if I can see it, that crossing just isn't working, then they need to change the way they're playing. And let's hope, like, against Watford, if they do start parking the bus a little bit, we can sort of drag them out and get in behind them. I think they will because it's Roy Hodgson. I think he's very much gone in. There... Oh, lost Jamie. Ball, oh, ball next. No. oh, there we go. Is that that he's back. He's back. I think he's gone in 17 games left. He's like, I don't care if I have 17 ugly results. I'm just here to do a job. So I think they're going to play defensive. If this was Claudio Ranieri, I think we'd all feel confident about a win. But yeah. where it's Roy Hodgson, I think we're all like, oh, shit. Yeah. I, you know what? It's funny, in it? Like, we're just doing so well. We're so, like, really, when you think about it, we're so bloody pessimistic as a fan base because we've just had so much shit for about 20 years. And like we're so used to just you know the wheels coming off that I think sometimes maybe we just do underrate our side a little bit. I know I do sometimes, and I think that where we're so used to like Roy Hodgson, for example, two months ago we didn't even we wouldn't even cared who was in charge of the team because we was in such a a role. Um, I think it's just where we've had a few couple of niggly results and bad performances that we've had these little worrying moments, isn't it? 
Yeah. It's, it's, I think it speaks volumes really about how pessimistic we are as a fan base off the back of one obviously very poor performance against a non-league side that we're sitting here ahead of a game where we're fifth in the table playing a team in the relegation zone mm. and we're still really on the oh, fence about whether we think we can win it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's, it's easy, for, it's easy to forget that at times. Like it feels as though it's still not even really real that we're this high yeah. up in the table. It's, it's in our nature to be this sort of, um, what's the word, ever barrier up like this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's like, well, and we know the teams below us, we've got games in a hand and, but we're still fifth in the table. It's points on the board and still only three points from safety. Uh, like, so, I bottom of the table and I'm like I don't look down there anymore no <laughs> I don't so weird. Like, yeah don't, you don't at, look below the top half at the moment we look at Man U Arsenal and Tottenham now we don't look at Burnley West Watford West Brom or, or Norwich when they're here like these sort of teams that's so nice to be part of that crew mm. it really yeah. is it's beautiful um so on say that, we've got I'm trying to think of all the teams around us that have got Liverpool have got Leicester Arsenal have got Wolves away. That's Tottenham, not easy. Tottenham have got Southampton at home. Man City have got Brentford. Man United have got Burnley away. And uh, yeah, that's it. We didn't talk about the draw. Yeah, I was just about to mention that as I heard the word Southampton. Yeah, so yeah. Southampton away is the F- the draw we've got in the FA Cup fifth round. I believe that's um, at the end of this month uh, is when that fixture will be taking place. Obviously, they're still going to be confirming TV fixtures. Um, you'll get a fair few of them on the TV now because there's only eight games in that round of fixtures. So we'll probably we'll, tie too, by the looks of it. Yeah, uh, we will obviously see what happens there. And I, I just wanted to mention as well, um, bear in mind, we scraped past a seventh-tier side. Um, Boreham Wood knocking out Bournemouth. Um what a result that was. Yeah. And yeah. also, how funny is it to see Nottingham Forest going on this absolute run? Tore you... Leicester to shreds. I heard some stat, though, that they've not lost an FA Cup game at their stadium in like four years, which is absolutely ridiculous. So you back into Huddersfield Town, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. Did you um did you see that uh guy that ran on the pitch and tried to attack the players? Yeah, that's that that's was wrong. mental. It's, but I don't know how this still happens. Like, how the security guards not even noticed him running across? It, it wasn't even like he was on the side of the pitch taking a throw on and someone jumped over and clobbed him. Like, he managed to actually get on the pitch and get the guy. That was it's not good, is it? Two, good having two games happen. happening uh, the Akron and Stanley, the Rotherham game at the weekend as well. <laughs> when the guy booted the penalty away and then hit, the, <laughs> hit Harry Pell, who was lining up to take the penalty. Oh, um, but yeah, what a, what a strange so weekend! I'll, I'll actually be in. I'll actually be in Nottingham this weekend on a stag do. Um, I was looking at maybe getting tickets because they're playing Stoke at home, but I don't think I'll subject anyone to going to watch that, that. absolute tripe. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it's still be a good luck. Last time Nottingham Forest lost a home game in the FA Cup. Go on then, enlighten the, me. The thirtieth of January, two thousand and sixteen. Oh, and who was it against? Watford. Oh. Oh, well, we've come full circle. Hmm. Like, I know we 
I know you could say, oh, but you don't play at home every year. But it's like, but they're not in Forest. They're a Division Two team. Like that's impressive. And they've beaten Arsenal twice in that time, haven't they? Yeah, and Leicester. They're beating some good teams. So there you go. Um, oh, yeah, unless yeah, anyone else has got anything to say about West Ham uh, or the fixture no. tomorrow night, uh, um, it's on BT Sport, by the way. Um, so you, you can watch that legally. Uh, if you have a BT Sport subscription, um, and it is uh, eight o'clock, is it? Seven forty-five. Seven forty-five. Thank you, Jamie. So yeah, um, and we'll be back later on this week uh, to reflect on whatever happens tomorrow night and before Sunday's trip to the King Power Stadium uh, to face Big Big a Leicester side that will definitely prove stiff opposition. Um, so thanks again, lads, for joining me. Obviously, we'll get Daryl's prediction ahead of uh, tomorrow night's game as well. And I think that leaves us with just one thing left to say. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons.